Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. We recently joined as a member and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot CEO. Don't forget to add the two-on-one podcast in the how did you hear about Podgo section of your application. Now get ready for the rest of the episode. 49 games, 87 points. Connor McDavid this season, gentlemen, to open the show. I'm going to read you some stats here. In his 400th game, Connor McDavid, three more points last night, putting his career total to 556. At 400, Sidney Crosby had 554. Ladies and gentlemen, he will win the Hart Trophy. What a season for Connor McDavid. And from Brother Bear 49 on Twitter, gentlemen, Jamie Benn won the Art Ross in 2015 with 87 points in 82 games played. McDavid has done it in 49. Is that the brother of Ethan Bear? I, I don't. I doubt it. No. <laughs> But McDavid, guys, he's won. He's gonna win the heart, and he's already won our heart trophy. What we have a, said. We have a name for it on this show: the MVP Prestige Award of Leadership and Wickedness in Hockey. We have to change yeah. the name once yeah, I yeah, realize yeah, yeah, what yeah. it sounded like. Yeah, because whenever I tried to mention that, yes, I didn't realize until I listened back to it. I'm like, oh, I said, oh no, but. I mean, I remember when, when when Matthews was scoring goal per game, and there was that night, I think he got a hat-trick against Montreal, and I tweeted, okay, give him the heart. And then McDavid had played like at the 10 p.m. slot, and he had just ruined who – it might have been Calgary. It was somebody. Probably. He is – if there was any doubt in anyone's mind about how good this guy is, it is – he is the best player in the world. It's incredible to watch. He saw your tweet, and he took it personally. Exactly. That's, probably, I saw that's him, probably what happened. I saw him talk about Nathan McKinnon last year, and I took that personally. It, it is incredible how how good he has looked. Um, how stable it, the Oilers are this year. <laughs> Mike yeah, be, yeah. Stable. Well, yeah. I don't want to go. I don't want to. I mean, I yeah, I'm not giving him enough credit yet. Them. I might have to compliment but the Edmonton Oilers. They've been okay. They've been they've been good. Well, it, it helps when all around McDavid this season. You know, Darnell Nurse has really taken that step. Um, yeah. We all know how good the Nuge is. It'll be interesting to see what his contract looks like. And at the same time, you know what? With even with Cleveland being out. Um, Tyson Berry has done exactly what they needed him to do. And again, it helps when you are putting up points per game numbers similar to Muriel Lemieux. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like that, yeah. that, that helps. I, I went to go it, like we, I went to go look at like history uh, points to highest point total in history. And like, it's, 
he's so far like we think it's so good but he's so like far off but like imagine what Connor mcdavid could do in the 90s in the 80s like he's he is so far like he's just so far ahead it feels like what's weird too is is he's lost how many points in his rookie year after he lost his collarbone uh, you know, he missed, you know, was that well, 11 games or whatever last year? And normally 11, 11 games, you're like, whatever. But for McDavid, that could be 20 points. Yeah. He was He's still, so good. He was still a point per game in his rookie year before he got injured. He had 48 points in 45 games. <laughs> that was when he was playing with like Yakupov too. Yeah. He was, even last year, like he, he was three points away from 100 before they shut the season down. Oh my God. And that was with 64 games played. And he's, he, he's going to hit a hundred, right? Like we can, we can I think we, so, yeah. be over under here. We're, we're going to say, I believe I'd be, be surprised if he doesn't hit a hundred. Like what does their schedule look like? I will get it up right now. Who is the players? Like he never hit a hundred, but he always got like 99 points. Goudreau. Goudreau, yeah. <laughs> I think McDay, I don't I don't think um McKinnon has ever hit it. Um you do not want to see the way I just tried to spell Edmonton Oilers schedule on so. so they only play two more teams for the rest of the year. And one of them's Montreal. So it's Vancouver and Montreal. Oh Vancouver. Yeah. They have uh five games against Vancouver and two games against Montreal. That's that's zesty, man. Like I think he'll hit a hundred. I, you know what? Before their most recent set of games, the Habs had been shutting Connor down, and then he just exploded because you can't keep that guy off the scoreboard. And when he starts going against a Canucks team that is just getting more and more tired and beat down right now, I, it's, it's going to be a bloodbath, especially like Tyler Myers is just going to be like, you look at what he's done to the Sens defense. I mean, imagine the fatigue that's going to be on the guys like Edler and Myers coming up soon. It's not going to be pretty, especially even like the depth, like the older depth guys they have there. He's got to hit a hundred. He has to do it. He has to do it. Uh, do we want to? Do we want to move on here from McDavid because we do have a lot of Canadian content to talk about? Surprise, sure. surprise, lads. Now, normally we wait till the end of the show to cover the Habs and the Leafs. No longer, people. They are the main events. And we're going to do the opposite here because who likes staying up till one o'clock to watch a UFC main event? No, we all want to get to it. We're not like a certain fight for that a YouTuber had where he like, they extended it. Like, an, I'm not on one might want. No, no, no. Anyway. I thought we're not going to mention that. We're not mentioning him by name. Okay. At all. So many but, musical performances. Yeah. Um, Is it Chuck Liddell? No, I, can you imagine <laughs> Chuck Liddell and that kind of, no, no, no. The Iceman. <laughs> Really great name, eh? So, I, I I think it's fair that we should start with Montreal. Yeah, go ahead. Just because. Um, you can't contain yourself. So I wonder what we're going to talk about. So, Corey Perry? <laughs> he got the game puck. Um, oh, my God. So, last night, the Habs won. Two straight for, like, the first time in a month. Uh, another like what's imp- what's kind of impressive is they were both back-to-back wins we know like comeback is as well like down by two in the third period though to start we really have to sort of mention here is in the overtime a great feed from jeff petrie um tim stutzla is still looking for cole caulfield today he got it the short king of his first career goal 
And Alex, I want you just, if you can describe to the listeners, because, you know, Mike, myself and you were, we're, we're on the, uh, we're on the FaceTime yeah. and my memory's gone a bit blank once Caulfield scored and how a, I reacted. Yeah, yeah. It was loud. Yeah. Uh, there was just, it was kind of just screaming. I kind of felt bad for your neighbors because it was funny at the beginning of the night, <clears throat> you were saying that your neighbor's dog, uh, right. Was, was, uh, barking and it was quite loud. Yes. And then, it was. So it was kind of like roles reversed here. Uh, that that you were now louder. You were probably louder than the dog. Did, you gotta say the line, Alex. Did, sorry, you gotta say the line. What line? Well, well, well. Well, well, well. How the turntables? Yeah. But I did. Anybody knock on your door? No. Somehow. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. Um, the, the neighbors above me. Yeah. Uh, were definitely making noise quite early in the morning. I did. I did not get to sleep in a bit. <laughs> they definitely did that. On can you can you reenact? The reaction. No, I, I have not naturally reacted to a goal like that since 2017. Mm-hmm. That was what, I. What was the goal in 2017? That was Radulov game two overtime winner, and I was at the game in Montreal. Without so, us, I did not know you. <laughs> the the funny thing about the entire sequences is the way the TVs work with the three of us is Mike Mike was two seconds ahead of Adam. Then there was that, right, Adam. And then I'm like 10, 15 seconds behind. The different, long story, whatever. <laughs> so Mike reacts first, but like, he's not, there was, it was nothing close to what Adam did. It was just like, oh my, he was like, oh my God, I don't remember exactly what he said, something like that. He stopped talking. He stopped, yeah, like it was like typical Mike, as soon as something happens, he just stops talking. And then we have to guess what happens. And then Adam just blows up. I just, I wish I recorded it. There's a magic with sports. And when you see this young, talented kid that's had all this, he said it was the best year of his life. You know, Hobie Baker, um, wicked season, the NCAA, gold medal of the world juniors, uh, saying the best year of your life has not been thrown around the past year and a bit with COVID. So I just, the the excitement you saw in his face when he scored. And yeah, Corey Perry got the game winning puck because what a leader. it was just really special to see, honestly. And what's kind of cool, guys, and it's the impressive thing that Montreal have done with these past games is they've done it without Shea Weber, they've done it without Carey Price, Tatar, Byron, and Brendan Gallagher. Um, it, it's been the young guys stepping up, which is something we've really wanted from the Habs um, all season. Is is the young guys have to really, uh, you know, take um, a, a big burden here, and they've done it the past two games. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting to see that it's the young guys kind of stepping up. It's good to see because uh, I think it now is probably the best time for them to be ramping things up. It's yes. like there's what, five or six games? I don't know how many games are left with Montreal, but probably around six, five or six games left in Montreal season. And that momentum will continue into the playoffs, which would be exactly what, the the coaching staff and management should want. Yeah, I think so too. That it's what happened in that Calgary series. They really had to have some self reflection there and realize that yo, this is down to the wire now. And to get those two wins in a row to separate themselves from the Flames, who lost in regulation last night. Yeah, that was big. Uh, and what's yeah, it is six games, Alex. Uh, the Jets also have six games left. And magically, because of how poor the Jets have been playing, we'll talk about them a little later. The Habs are two points behind them. 
Um, now, we all want the Habs to stay in fourth place so we can get that Leafs series. Um, though maybe for the good of the podcast, you'd hope that maybe Montreal beat the Jets and we don't have to um, go through that as friends. Um, though it, it, it's kind of been very strange, though, with Montreal at the same time because Dominic Ducharme loves to put his lines into a blender, eh? It's yeah. just nothing's been consistent. And you'd hope, though, he he stays with the current third line of what's been Jake Evans or Turner Lekkinen in Cole Caulfield. Because it, it's, you know, that term energy line, you know, guys that give you a kick up the butt. Uh, that's really what they've been giving. And how many times on this podcast have I not shut up about Lekkinen and Evans? It, right. It's something, man. It's something. It's, it's odd. Yeah. It's odd that he keeps switching the lines because, like, no offense to Montreal, but I don't know if they're in the current situation where switching up the lines consistently is the best thing for the team. And I think we'll get to Toronto in a bit. Yeah. But they're, I think they, in recent games, have tried giving guys rest days and allowing them to change the lines, but I think they're in a different situation. You still you don't know what place you're finishing in, right? I mean, Calgary's kind of uh, at this point he they're out of the question. It feels like, but you could fit into that third place spot, and you could either be playing against Edmonton or Toronto at this point. I don't know who they who they match up against better, but I I do think that it is important to win games, right? And oh, yeah. make sure that the chemistry is there and especially with these young guys who, you know, we look at Suzuki and Kotkaniemi, for example, who have been in the league for, this would be Suzuki's second year, Kotkaniemi's third. Mm-hmm. That chemistry with the guys they're playing with should be important, especially moving into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there, there's a there's a difference there. And, like, we, we can say, like, injuries, but at the same time, it's been a theme since Ducharme took over. Um, and, and, you know, you talk about the Leafs there, Alex, and to throw it to you here, Daniel, is, you know, the Leafs have these, these centermen that are, you know, even as young as, as Matthews is, he's at a level where he can carry a line. He can carry his line. It's same with Tavares. Um, you don't want to do that with the young sort of centermen that Montreal are, are developing throughout this season. Yeah, I kind of agree with that too. And I didn't like the move at first, but somehow kind of worked to a certain degree where uh, Kakinyemi's playing the left side again. Yeah, he's not he's not giving his own role to be a center anymore, and I think like they take away that that third line of I guess fixture they had with him there. I like how they've been. I like I, like to a certain degree. I like that Ducharme's trying the new things. I think when I asked him, well, not really personally asked him, I asked him on this pod to try something different to look at the accountability of some of the guys that haven't been performing and just move things around. I didn't expect him to do it these many times. No, to no. uh, kind of try something and you, you know if it it worked, leave it. But you know you don't have to keep moving things all around. And this is a funny thing. Um, Alex is gonna like this too. Where there was another coach that used to do this a lot, and he did it on the fly during games. And who was that? Randy Carlyle. <laughs> where it's funny when he would why would I like him. that? That's least reference. I mean, like it's funny, horrible, because like painfully for least reference. <laughs> it was funny because when he was on the Ducks, we'd be like, "Oh yeah, it, it was great." He always did that. Like you, you'd see a Getzlaff play with like a Perry or a Solani. You just never really know, like between periods. But then, like when he comes to Toronto, like, "Oh, stop doing that. Stop yeah. like experimenting with all these things." Um, and even too with Montreal now, I think it's just worked because they have the depth to do it. 
Mm-hmm. But like what Alex said, like when they're down to the wire now, when they want to prepare for a playoff run, they really have to have some self-examination and see what really works and what we're going to be able to carry. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's funny you mentioned the cocky and stuff because at first I was getting really worried about him playing the wing. Uh, the, at this point, I've kind of realized that it's – Galchenyuk back in the day was just like, I, who? what are you doing here? I think with Kaki Nemi, I think it's a chance to put him in the top six uh, because, like, Suzuki has just been playing so lights out. Like, he's becoming this power play phenom. It's really cool to see. Um, and, and, again, they've just been so swapping. Like, Kaki Nemi's got the raw deal all year. So I'm guessing that this is their way of, like, they like his skill set on that line to sort of take the place of, of Brendan Gallagher while he's been gone. But, you know, at the same time, like, just keep Suzuki with, like, of Anderson Tavoli. Just, just please leave it alone. Please do it. Um, and, again, leave that third line together. And Cole Caulfield, just one more thing I want to mention about him. I love him. Uh, that's it. He's going to score a lot of goals in this league. And I hate – you guys know I hate doing this, but I have to say it. And it's not every least every fan base has that pocket. Shut up about Nick Robertson making score oh. goal first before. Oh, yes. Sure God, that was so that. great. I've been waiting to do that. God. Not Jason. Oh. Not Jason. <laughs> not Jason. Who has not been Jason. absolutely phenomenal this year. Who is? Yeah. I'm, by the Jeez, way. Yeah. I'm so proud of him. And, and, and by the way, guess what? Nick Robertson is going to be a great NHL player. He's going to score a lot of points, but they're different players. Shut up. And Cole scored and let him be happy for it. Ah, it was so freaking cool to see. Did they ever so play awesome. together, like in the World Juniors or any tournament? Last year. Last year? Okay. Yeah. They, they were both on uh, USA. Mm-hmm. And that team was not great. <laughs> it was not a great team. Um, oh, hey, redemption. Well, lads, uh, we shall move on. The Habs, we'll see. Uh, for everyone's information, they are. Nine points. Sorry, no, wait, 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 hold on. I'm not great at math. They are, yeah, eight points ahead of the Flames. Uh, again, there's still some schedule to play. The, the Habs have a condensed schedule, some tough opponents. They're all playoff team. Well, there's a game against the Suns, but you know how they play. Uh, Leafs games, Oilers games, the, two of the best players in the world right now, they have to go up against. It's not for sure, but last night was massive for Montreal's playoff chances. I want to see Don Lucision's article now, his model, all that type of stuff. But going to the Leafs, they, <laughs> it's been a fun couple of uh, fun. So they've obviously clinched a playoff spot. They did it against the Habs with 67 points. I saw Seth, the last time they had beaten the Habs five times was 1967. So, like, you got to love that there's a bit of magic there. Um, like, you know, say what you want. Like, that number has always been, like, a way to try and make fun of Leafs fans. But, like, you got to really love that now they can have that chance to say, like, hey, guess what? It's working for us now. The first and only team so far in the North to clinch. So the real question is now for the rest of the season, and we kind of touched on it a little bit with some line stuff. But um, what do you do for if you're the Leafs now going into the playoffs with maybe resting guys and all that sort of stuff, Alex? Yeah. I mean, if I'm Keith, I'm probably doing what he's done in the past. I think we'll probably see it um, again. I'm just pulling up their schedule now just to see who they play for the rest of the season. Obviously, I, I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of resting going on against Montreal because these are guys you're probably going to play in the playoffs, uh, In whether it's in the first or the second round. Uh, we'll find out. I, I can see those a lot like – 
I, I think it'll be important to rest guys like Jumbo, like Wayne Simmons, like even even a, a guy like Jason Spezza. I don't. Th- I've heard their thoughts. I've heard people say, you know, why don't you give Matthews a a, a game off? I'm like, I I want to see him score another goal. Like the, I I think he'll hit. I want to see what he can do because, like, last night he had another two goals and he just looked on a completely different level. Like, he just makes scoring goals look so easy. And I don't think... I, I don't know. If, I don't think we talked about it because he ended up playing that night. The goal where he just... It just kind of goes off his stick against Montreal. Oh, the one that yeah. he right <laughs> off Suzuki scale was... You can't stop that. You can't. Like, That's I don't... Just- Super code. It didn't even look like he tried to shoot it. It kind of just went forward, and that's what happened. Um, but I can see them when they do that playing around with the lines. I brought this up last episode or two episodes ago, where in the play in the series against Columbus, when they stacked the top line, they kind of left Nylander all by himself on the second line. Number one, he was playing center, which I'm not the biggest fan of, mm-hmm. but I'd like maybe to see him get some reps there or get reps with different guys. Who's not Tavares because I don't want to get into the situation in the playoffs where it's just all completely brand new because it didn't really look that great. Um, And it was, it, 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 they stacked the first line and the rest just felt really dull. And Mm -hmm. I I'm waiting. I I really think if when Hyman comes back, the the top six is going to be solidified and I'm excited to see what that looks like over a longer period of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daniel. And then after Daniel gives his piece, I want to ask you about the bottom six actually, because everyone loves bottom six discussion. The heart and yeah. soul guys. We love them. Exactly. I, I kind of agree too. I think I'm going to be excited uh, when Hyman comes back because what I've mentioned before is that balance between skill and you know those guys that get into the nitty gritty parts of uh, of of the ice. And honestly, like I love Nick Foligno on this team right now. I really like what he's been doing. Um, I like the James Myrtle tweet by the way. Before I move on, about where he's like Nick Foligno. It's like more like Foligno. Yes. <laughs> But uh, anyways, yeah, I know that's a horrible pun. But um, again, like I really like how he's been able to kind of fit into there that when we think about someone like Zach Hyman, he's someone that really fit into his role so well, but the Leafs just had one of him mm-hmm. in a sense where they had a guy that could kind of do it all and really balance out these guys that you're expected to be your scorers. And when I see him come back, for this playoff run, I think it's going to be great. I think that as much as Galchenyuk's really redeemed himself, I like that he's going to probably be pegged down into the bottom six. Um, or even if you want to stack that third line again and make it as consistent as it was before with Kerfoot and Hyman. But again, like if you're going to try to change something or do something different for the playoffs, have some semblance of it now, I guess, to see if it's going to work or not, because again, what Alex said with stacking that first line, I thought it was great. What did they call the nuclear line? Right. Yeah. Yeah. uh, But I, I don't know. I I wasn't really too much of a fan of it. I liked that. There, there were like those three lines that they had before they were kind of rolling out. But as of right now, I want to see them kind of 
maybe change something. I don't believe in load management either, unless you're a Joe Thornton or a Jason Spezza or a Wayne Simmons, maybe. But you know, maybe try to move things around. Like I don't know, like give Adam Brooks or Pierre Engvall some more minutes. Okay. Oh, I don't know if Pierre Engvall is so, touching uh, the ice again. Yeah, no. I was gonna ask that because I'm I'm pretty sure Seth that like Engvall is. <laughs> listen, injuries maybe he comes in, but um, like Adam Brooks, great name. He's been playing well. Like I think, like that. I think because Kerfoot was always the option, third line. So like for center, I mean, Um, I think it's pretty safe to say that Brooks has sort of taken that. And you know, naturally, like it's not going to happen every single game. But I don't think you would hate that in a pinch. Spatza or Thornton would fill in that forward. Like, and I mean a pinch. Like you don't want like you don't want forty-one-year-old Joe Thornton playing. You know, game seven, fourth line seven. But like in that situation, if you have to now looking at it then, so are, are you, are we comfortable? We're saying like, forget about Hyman for a second here, unless yeah. this is the guy you want on this line. Is it safe to say you keep Mitch Matthews and Felino together, or would you prefer Hyman up there? I, I think, Hmm. I, I think they'll, they'll put Hyman back with Matthews and Marner and then put Felino on the, Tavares and Nylander line. Okay. I do think, unfortunately, the odd man out here is probably Alex Galchenyuk. Yeah. Which he's he had this weird slump where he just um, he just did not look great. Oh, because, wow. Like, which isn't a surprise. I don't like. Yes, like I'm, there's no. <laughs> I am not surprised by that at all. For whatever reason, he worked really well next to Tavares and Nylander. But when you put him in the when you put him in the bottom six. A lot of that magic disappears. Yeah, it's it's really weird. With that's, um, I'm I'm getting flashbacks right now. I I really am. Um, I'm trying to play center. No. Oh, oh man, <laughs> uh, who goes for a silver knee lander? Um, no, you know what? Um, it's you know the the Marner, sorry, not the Marner. Um, the Matthews Hyman connection's been there for a couple of years. Like they played together before. That could work. Yeah. And honestly. Felino or or Hyman, there's not a wrong answer there. No. And the, obviously, you're not taking out Mikheyev because of, of just the chance. He's kind of like, he reminds me of Arturi Lekkinen, that would you like him to bury a few more opportunities? Yes, but when he is on the ice, you know he's going to create the offense. Um, you're, on your end, the foot speed is... Faster than Connor David, says Mike. Uh, he's good. No. And obviously, you're not taking out Wayne Simmons, especially after that Vancouver stuff. You love him. Kerfoot's too too usable. And again, like, Gouch is – he just – it's so weird because defensively, he's not responsible enough to play a, a bottom six role. It's it's plagued him his entire career. And not to mention, I, I think, like, a guy like Spets is way too important in that scenario. And and Thornton is Thornton. He has a beard. Yeah, because like like I said, like I'm not taking out Adam Brooks and throwing Alex Galchenyuk on the fourth line. Fourth line center, Alex Galchenyuk. Like, that's, just, that, that's just I'm I wouldn't be a big fan of that. Like I'm sorry, I I want I, I don't I'm, trust that. Yeah, I'd I'm I would rather I'm trust Pierre Engvall more than I would as than Alex Galchenyuk playing fourth line center. Big body. I think that's uh, very very fair. right. So. Like I, I think for the most part, the lines are quite set with the exception of Alex Galchenyuk, mm-hmm. uh, who I would presume Felino or Hyman fit into that role quite well. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm thinking like for the, not for the playoffs. I think for the playoffs, like I like what you said, Alex, about making thing, making sure things are set. 
both offensively and defensively on those lines. But I think, yeah, just for the stretch of things, like I've always loved Adam Brooks. I think I've mentioned this. I don't know how many times. Like yeah. that guy has the perfect story for me. Like he was passed over in two drafts over Ager. And he really is the second best pick in the 2016 draft after like for the Leafs after yeah. Austin Matthews. She yes. looks back on that. I mean, I'd I still say. believe in Joel. I still believe in Joel Wall. But I don't know yet. Yeah. Again, um, I'd like to see him like in these final games, like even if he starts on the fourth or the third, you know, maybe get more reps. Um, when I mentioned Engvall, I know that he's not going to touch probably the playoffs. But, you know, if you take out a Thornton or a Spezza for a few games, I wouldn't mind having him as a big body presence or as a center again. I don't know, man. I, I've been pretty vocal about I don't trust center in Pierre Engvall. Um, no. I, I don't I just I don't I don't believe in it. I, I don't again, um your strength is down the middle. Like it doesn't matter how good or bad you are, you need to be strong down the middle. No. And I just I don't I would not trust him in the most important games in the season, in the most important position, especially if you are going against if it is um if you like let me put it to you like this. Do you trust Pierre Ingvall if he gets caught out on a shift against Connor McDavid? No. Exactly. I wouldn't trust him against the big Jets guys. Um, I, it's that's the question there, right? It's it's not against the Jets. I trust him against the Jets. Man, sh- no. no, maybe I not will. right now in six games. Okay. This draft, but like it's still the Jets. It's still oh, yeah. like Kyle Connor is still feasting away in this division. And I, and and by the way, the defense is probably safe as it is. And then maybe Bogosian comes in. I don't for Dermot. Uh, yeah, yeah. That that's yeah. what I was gonna say. Um, I I do think Bogosian's playing in the playoffs. I, I think that it's like, I, I know he's a bottom pairing guy, but the way Tampa used him last year in the playoffs, like they kind of threw him everywhere. Like I, he was even playing with Hedman at one point. Like he was, it's not like he was playing small minutes. He was playing, I think in the last game, he played 17 minutes. Not bad. Right? So, no, also played that game. Luke Shen, I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Listen, listen. Look at their left side. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's unfair sometimes with it. when you link of that Tampa team because they had three of the top five picks of the 2008 draft. Oh, stop it. You know, oh, yeah, just, you know, Kucherov is just kind of there. Can't wait till he's back in a few weeks, too. Uh, yeah, that's going to be great. Uh, just before, quickly, one I, guy I forgot to put in. Unf- I, I don't think uh, Adam Brooks does play start the playoffs. I do think it'll be Riley Nash if he's available. Oh, yeah, oh, I yeah. forgot about it. <laughs> just my guess. I don't think they Dude. picked him up for nothing, right? Yeah. I know it was a seventh-round uh, pick. But, but like, excellent on face-offs, <laughs> gritty guy. Um, what did uh, Elliot Freeman say? It's the same thing like we've said before. It's like they just liked what they saw with him in the Boston and Columbus series that they just had to get him himself. Exactly. Exactly. Oh man, I can't believe we good good memory there, Alex. I I completely forgot he was the thing. Completely forgot he was a thing. All right, we we have some runway here. Um, where? Oh wait, yeah. So I wanted to ask you guys this. I've had this on a note on my phone for a while, but like I keep forgetting to ask you this. Should we know an insider salary? Like, oh, what do you I, mean? Desperately want to know what Elliot Friedman makes. And like Bob, like if for somebody whose career is making sure we know all the details about someone's contract, 
ah, public interest. Random question with that. Paid. Um, yeah. Is it based on experience or like how inside you are as an insider? I think it's a. Uh, I think both. it's probably a combination of both. Like I, 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 I think of a sphere, and as you get into the center of being in the inside as an insider, does that determine how much you get paid? What's just natural is that the longer you're in the business and the more connection you would, you would mm. get, the more information you therefore have and therefore the more valuable you are. Like what about Kyle Bogoskis? Like how much? Well, I don't think he's an insider. Is he's he? just but like he's an insider you. in the making, I think. He's kind of just there. Like he's do what was he doing? He does the pregame stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, like he, he used to do sports, not central. Did he not? Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Like here and there, I remember when they were. Had I'm sure he hears whispers, like an Eric Angles hears whispers about the Habs or anyone, any beat guy might. And, you know, he's been around like the Ottawa scene for the past couple of years. But, you know. Um, Some of them might be careless whispers, though. Like they, they pay for that information. It's a premium. I just, I would, obviously, I doubt they want everyone to know. But I, mm. I just think it would be an interesting sort of thing to know. I mean, I'll see it this way. I don't know. Maybe because of the experience of like Bob McKenzie, you know, like when you see his Twitter now, it's just, he's having the time of his life. Yeah. But at the same time, he comes to work whenever he wants to. But at the same time, when the big things happen, he still has all the information. Yeah. Because you think about it. It's like, listen, we give players so much crap based on their salary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> I- go, 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 go. You know, I just maybe you know, and nowadays we should be like, oh, well, you know what, Elliot, you make uh, you make two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Where's you know, where's my trades? I, I don't think ever. Uh, like listen, he's done enough already. I don't think anyone's complaining about uh, Elliot Friedman. But they've done uh, enough already to inspire a generation of sports journalists. I want to know, damn it. Well, he liked your shoes. Just ask him next time. He did like my shoes. Yeah. He did like my shoes. And he asked for my him. name. He did. You remembered Alex. <laughs> Um, How can you not forget about Alex? Friend of the show. Alex. You no, know, okay, wait. Before we move on with the Leafs sure. and the Insiders, yeah, I'd like to see Alex Galchenyak play with Adam Brooks and then the Leafs in the offseason acquired Daniel Sprong to play on the line with them. Why? Was, that a, was that a World Juniors line? No, because Alex, Adam, and Daniel. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. The double okay. AD line. The, the DAD line. Yes. Uh, or Daniel Sedin comes out of retirement to sign for 700K with the Leafs. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I don't think that will happen. Either, <laughs> Couldn't play anyway. He's past the deadline. You know what was really annoying? So a lot of things. Um, one of Montreal's goals obviously were called back, and it was like moments after it was deemed no goal, Alex Galchenyuk had scored. So you just hear Michael, <laughs> golly, gal, and I'm losing. I'm so upset <laughs> because I'm like, the Habs aren't going to win this game. Naturally, Tyler Toffoli, 27th the season, let's freaking go. Man, the Canucks could really use him right now. $4.2 million. Um, now, and Brandon Sutter and Tanner Pearson instead. Yeah. So the Canucks are, they're, interesting. yeah, they're, I mean, it's not really interesting. I'll take that back. I, they're just, they've had a bad week. They've had a bad had a, season, bad yeah. season. Um, nothing's going well. And bad seven years. I, I don't, I don't, it's been a while. Bad decade since the I riot. I, I don't know. It's just kind of like, it's just weird to me. I don't know. It just, it's upsetting to me and I know why it's upsets me, but so, we know why it's upsets me. We can talk about because there's there's a lovelier like there's Trankin staying in Russia whatever there is the God debt stuff which is 
pretty bad if you look at it. There's the Alex Edler stuff, which we can have a laugh about that because it's it's fans and media just losing their mind. Though there is one thing we do have to mention that is quite serious, and that is right now, um, uh, Jake Vertanen is away from the team. And I'm just going to read the Canucks statement from Twitter, uh, statement from Canucks Sports and Entertainment. Quote, we have become aware of the concerning allegations made about Jake Vertanen. An organization does not accept sexual misconduct of any kind, and the claims as reported are being treated very seriously to us. We've engaged in external expertise to assist in an independent investigation, and we have placed the player on leave as we await more information. Um, so I, I just feel like it's important to say two things here, and that is, um, is listen, two sides of, the, of a coin, um, yin-yang, all that you know, type of stuff. And that is, I think we as a society have the obligation to listen to people when they see that they've been hurt, like listen to a victim. And at the same time, we need to remember that in this country, you are innocent until proven guilty. Um, simple as that. Um, you shouldn't go on Twitter and see people say this, 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 this. Um, you know, we're actually pretty blessed to live in a country that is like that. Not everywhere is. Um, just that's very important to realize here. Um, we're not going to speculate on anything because obvious reasons. We don't know the story. Um, we don't want to get sued. Pretty simple. Um, though you hope it gets sorted out and everyone affected in any sort of way, everything gets ironed out. Okay. Yeah, I'm glad the Canucks took action. On they released a statement to just let everyone know what's going on. Yeah. Right. Um, you, you know, the, the Canucks, they were getting grief because, you know, what Travis Green sort of took the questions instead of in a situation like this, maybe you'd expect an owner or a general manager to sort of say something. Um, if you can have your opinions on that, I think it's safe to say I expected something like that. And it is a bit weird that you would have the head coach. Is it, it's a player. Yeah. But at the same time, um, something, an allegation this serious, I think kind of demands um, a bigger voice to it. You know what I mean? Um, the Canucks, I mean, we can move on from that again. There's not much to it. Um, they've also had bad stuff. Yeah, Nikita Trampkin, who left a couple of years ago, has just extended in Russia for another two years. That's not great for them. They were hoping to get him back. We know it's not happening. Something else. So we know at the trade deadline, Adam Gaudet was traded to Chicago. And I think all three of us, we were we, we were questioning it. A lot of people yeah. were. Um, and since then, he had some comments. They were quite colorful saying that there were things saying about him and his wife and the sort of message he gave was that um he was basically traded because he was patient zero that the strain of the virus that shut the canucks down for extended period of time started with him Uh, and of course again we we don't know uh if that's the canucks feeling though it speaks volumes to me that um, NHL players who rarely speak out, we just saw it with Robin Leonard, but I can't remember much players who normally do like normally do uh, come out. He came out and said this. Um, It's just been a very bad look for the Canucks. Um, It's also strange to think, I mean, like how many teams are actually going to be interested in buying the, like who would at the same time from a human point of view, you know, we heard that Godet was on an IV and all this. 
like the human side of just having being like COVID and all that, that you would trade the guy to. It doesn't look great for them again. It like it was so I guess it was swift in a yes. way when it did happen. I remember when we were talking about it when it was first uh when the news first broke out and I mean, like, it, it was a it was a weird thing because, like, the first few statements I heard from the Canucks was like, "Oh, we were looking towards the potential of Matthew Highmore. We wanted to see where that went, and you know, we feel like this was like a fair swap between two guys who are emerging players that they just needed a change of environment." But mm-hmm. there wasn't really anything else. I know they're not going to really mention any of it, but it just kind of it was the kind of thing where I feel like with the, the way the Canucks the year has been, and I'm talking about like in terms of like acquisitions and trades, it's been something where they'll do something really wrong. I think like first we'll, we could start off with Toffoli and then we could look at Tanner Pearson's contract. But then when they try to do something else like this, it's just like, it's another thing. It was like, okay, well maybe the intent was there, but it was just another bad thing. Yeah, that's well, that's exactly what the Tanya Pearson contract was. <laughs> or, I mean, like people said, and this is like off-brand from what's going on off the ice, uh, people said that, you know, that Vertanen money could have gone towards Tyler Toffoli too. Um, you know, and, and how often, Alex, have we talked about the, the misallocation of funds in Vancouver um, just really causing their downfall here? Well, we talk, I mean, we, we talk about it every time and, and I mean, the thing that Jim Benning said, and I, it just, it, it still hasn't sit right with me and saying he, they ran out of time. Yeah. Why? Like how, how did you run out of time? You didn't want to give up like, okay, fair. You didn't want to give up the assets to get rid of uh, Erickson, a Roussel or whoever, Okay, so you didn't run out of time. You just don't, didn't want to do what you thought you did. Like, you just didn't want to do what was necessary. Like this, it, uh, we asked Harmon Dial, right? And he said, no, like there's no benefit of the doubt to Jim Benning on the failure of the offseason because he put them in that situation. I do also want to say here that it's not like they had to trade. Yeah, he was an RFA this year. He could have waited mm-hmm. to the draft. Um and and they're guys, they're looking at, at bringing like their like AHL players up at this point because their roster is getting so depleted. Does it make sense just uh, running a franchise wise at their current situation to trade a guy like Adam Gaudet? Um, no, like, and I don't think Highmore has been anything to speak of either. No, I I think this is more than just the way that organization is run. I, st- I, I still think it's a failure of the NHL and the NHLPA. Like, I think it's bigger than Jim Benning here. You know what I mean? Yeah. That like, th- because even, I think uh, Horvat said it, not the, the game they play against the Leafs. Like they're still exhausted. Like they're clear, like they're not getting game shape. They're not no. in game shape. And it's all being forced to play. Yeah. Like, I don't know how close they are to game shape, but they're not. Uh, so, like, I think this whole this whole scenario, I think with Adam Gaudet, yeah, it, maybe not the greatest of looks, but I, I still think that this whole situation as a, for this year and what their continuation of the season is a failure of the NHL and the PA to make sure that their players are, like, ready. Taken care of, you know, in, right. in 
they did. Listen, that's that's your job as a PA lawyer. Just take care of your clients. Another big story with the Canucks, and it's tied to the Leafs, was the Alex Edler stuff. Now, we all know Zach Hyman went down after a knee from Alex Edler. Uh, you know, it was a lot of people held, held the opinion that it you know, wasn't on purpose, but it was a lazy play from a tired player. It was their first game back from their their COVID situation, we can call it. Now, game after, the first of this two little pair of games that the Canucks and the Leafs had, uh, Wayne Simmons... You know what, he, this is his job. This is Wayne Simmons. Um, it was a teammate seeing what happened to Zach Hyman. And, you know, we, we actually, we criticized the Leafs at the time that no one stood up for Hyman. And what does, and normally when we criticize a player, what happens, um, they come back and prove us wrong. Wayne Simmons, Alex Edler, his first career fight answers the bell. Um, Simmons kicked his ass, but like, he didn't just completely wail on a helpless man here. He he very clearly held back. This wasn't just a complete beatdown. The players involved, the coaches, both teams had it completely fine. Um, I'm pretty sure Bo Horvat even said, yeah, Alex Edler, he handled himself well. Edler didn't complain. And for some reason, I think this all started with Ian McIntyre from Sportsman after the game saying, no respect for Edler and all this. This turned into this giant explosion of the code of players you, fighting and just this bunch of crap. You know who has no respect for Alex Edler? Uh, who? His, his entire team. His <laughs> entire team. Because the argument here is they should have sent Wayne Simmons. Well, someone could have st- said, Al- Alex Edler, remember this. It's, this is it. We're acting as if, I think, Adam, I don't remember what year this was. The incident where Max Domi just started punching Aaron Eckblad. You, you know what? Two I mean? years ago, in right? the preseason. In the preseason. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. there, that, it was, this wasn't even close to that situation. Wayne Simmons looked at Alex Edler. They they agreed to fight. They both dropped the gloves. So I, I don't see what like what the issue is uh, here. Maybe someone can explain it better because what it seems like to me is no one has an issue. Um, and you know what? I'm not going to complain about the fans saying something different than the team because I think I do that more than enough about the Leafs. So that's fine. Have a different opinion, but where was Anton Roussel? You know what, you know, we, all these guys that they signed that are sticking up for your teammate, Alex Edler could have said, no, someone else could have stepped in. No one else stepped in. No one else. I I think it's a shame that this is how, where this is what we're talking about now. You know, there's been a lot of other players I've seen before that, they've had to defend themselves as well where, you know, they're not necessarily the fighter. I remember um, even if I look towards Sidney Crosby where he's had to fight for himself as well, where these things kind of happen where there is this, that sense of accountability or that whole code thing when it comes to these two teams. But again, like what I like what you said, where, where was the rest of the Canucks team where there's these guys that they have to come up and they have to defend like these, these skilled guys or these non-traditional fighting guys but i think it's been blown out of proportion i think that it's been way too many excuses on the whole thing about you know like oh we're supposed to get away from this part of the game where this is something where this is like leafs are a dirty team again and i don't think that's the reason i think it's just the lead like i think it's more of a representation of 
the Leafs of, are more of a complete team, and I'm not talking about skill, and I'm not talking about what they've been able to do where you know they loaded up on defense, they have everyone on offense. It's more of like the whole chemistry about the camaraderie aspect of it where one guy goes down, so you have someone like Wayne Simmons who's going to stick up for that guy. You, you play for your team. Remember what Wayne Simmons said at the beginning of the year. I'm here to punch people's face. Yeah. I, I, I do think it had to be Edler. And the reason I say that is, is because, you know, um, the stuff with Kachuk and Cassian was not, and could you say, because Kachuk is a physical player, he could. Mm-hmm. Um, that stuff, you know, it was not really squashed until Kachuk finally fought Cassian. Like, you remember, like, Zach Ronaldo was like, yeah, it's me. I'm going for this guy. No, it wasn't. Um, I do think there's an element of it needs to be that player. And again, and, and at the core issue, we've mentioned it, it it's, it's, that was squashing the beef. It was done after that. This is not a normal story. There is, this is completely blown out of the proportion. There is like, and not to mention, it's like, then you have Canucks fans saying, okay, now we got to take out the goalie. No, this. No, no, fight, take out Liljegren. Take out Liljegren. So important to the team, you know. It's it's weird to think, because again, hockey's the only sport where you can fight. <laughs> now, what's weird is this fight is actually the cleanest thing that could have happened because then it stopped everything and they were good after that. Like, that's how hockey works. You've just missed the complete point. It's gone completely overhead. This isn't the dirty, you know what, massive hit. And now we're going to go after this guy all game. It's not it at all. This go is after this someone is the else. Thing. Go, yeah, after, like, go after someone else. I dare you. I dare you. I like, saw honestly. a Twitter account saying in 2011, when it was a Canucks fan in 2011, I wasn't thinking about the Leafs. Well, clearly they're in your head now. Focus on your team and how difficult it is for you right now. Like, and the constant mistakes. No, that's, that you sorry, that, that's so late. Sorry, I just that's so weird. I don't know if to say something like, "Oh, in 2011." Like, I bet you were when you didn't win the that, that was ten years ago. It's been a decade. Yeah, like come on, it's ah, oh, it's just so. It's like you think Detroit Red Wings fans are like, yeah. Oh wait. No, I no. Know. I think another thing too. You know I why? Because Pittsburgh's won two cups. Yeah, in a row. Well, the one thing I think about too is just it's the same like you know flip of the coin where when the Leafs face the Bruins and then they face the Blue Jackets like you know when they take out the cadre equation with things it's like oh yeah no one's accountable for anybody the Leafs they're just a skilled team and then suddenly when everything's balanced out now it's like no they they're just they're dirty. Yeah. A few things, a few things. They're the 1970s Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, a, a few things. You know things are bad when a Canadians fan and a Maple Leafs fan are agreeing on something. I just, I can't stand that uh, this. Um, and do, do you notice how quickly the narrative of Zach Hyman has changed in Vancouver? Because... Do you, do you notice how in the beginning of the season and, you know, how important everyone said Zach Hyman was and how everyone was laughing, how the Leafs were going to lose him. And then he, then he gets injured and it's like, well, you know, he shouldn't be, you know, you don't have to stand up for Zach Hyman. You know, he's not a superstar. Again, he's an important part of this team. Everyone yeah. else has recognized, including the people in this city. I don't care. How about instead of worrying about Zach Hyman, who's not playing, how about you focus on the guy scoring 40 goals in this short season right now? Maybe try and stop him down and giving him easy goals. Maybe that would help. That's just me, though. Enjoy being bottom five in the league again. 
like I get the code, like, you know, want to have a discussion about the code. Let's have a discussion about the code because you're right. Like maybe we don't need to have it, but it's like, we don't need to have that this part of the code, but it is 2021. This thing still exists in hockey. Do not come to this discussion and say, Oh, you know, the code, this, the code that we all know what the code is. You, someone on your team then should have stood up for Alex Edler if you have such an issue with it. But no one there does. No one. So maybe you should start complaining about how no one stood up for Alex Edler. Right. Sorry. Yeah. Let's the go. Canucks. I think that's a good place to end the Canucks discussion. And a bit. And their season. No, I'm kidding. I feel bad. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I, don't. I feel I bad don't. saying that. I take that back. I, no, they're, I, that that's not my personality on the show. It's not. That's you're too nice. That's true. That's true. That's a good. Ryan, Ryan Miller, uh, will retire at the end of the year. He won his last, what would be his last home game last night. Massive for Anaheim. The winningest goalie, or the winningest American goalie in history, 390 wins. The 2001 Hobie Baker winner. The 2010 Vesna Trophy winner. The Olympic MVP in 2010. Congratulations on a fantastic career to Ryan Miller. Uh, Daniel, I think he is not only a goalie for your your Mighty Ducks boys, but also he's one of your favorite goalies of all time. So take it away. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's something about Ryan Miller because I think when I've mentioned all of my favorite goalies growing up, they've always been Canadian. Yes. Um, and it was just something with Ryan Miller. I just love the way he played. I like I like that there was a bit of that underdog um, beginning with him. I know he won the Hobie Baker, but being a fifth-round pick and not really being the guy until Marty Buron gets traded to Philly. And um, yeah, I know, long time. And if I'm going to pick like two things, I know like he's been – I like that he stayed a duck for quite a while and he accepted that backup position with John Gibson, which ironically, Gibson looked up to him growing up, which was pretty cool. I think the two things I kind of take back, um, I look back on of my favorite memories with him is first the 2007 Eastern Conference Finals where they went against the Sens and that was one of the best series I saw. I remember I went on a field trip with my elementary school and um, we were actually in Ottawa at the time of that series and I I have a Ryan Miller shirt and I, I wore that. I remember in in Ottawa at the time, um, and, and that that was that was that was funny. That was like that was a crazy series because I think that was really Buffalo's chance because that was before they were really bad, and it was also before like they had guys like Daniel Breer or um, Chris Jury leave for bigger money with Philly and New York respectively. So that was great, and I like that Miller. Like I think that was the year he really solidified himself as an elite guy. And mm-hmm. I think my last one is 2010. Well, everyone remembers with 2010 with Ryan Miller when he won MVP. And I think we, we think about the fi- like the gold medal game, but I'm going to talk about first the game he had against Canada the first time where that was probably like my most frustrating game ever because Marty Broder didn't do too well. Um, Canada lost 5-3, but the thing is they put up 47 shots or so on Ryan Miller that game. And that that was just, that was when something I'm like, there was something about him because the Sabres were like faltering around that time. But like, it just, he dialed something different. Like there was something different about him in the Olympics that he became like this guy. And then he won the Vezna that year. So those are like my favorite memories of Ryan Miller. Mm -hmm. I actually was scared he was going to be Canada like that. He was that good. 
Well, Crosby wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, Ryan, Ryan Miller. Yeah, I'm the one thing from last night that I just wanted to bring up. Like, I, I thought it was really nice of uh, what the Kings did at the end there uh, after the uh, Ducks did their little, I don't know what what, I, what to call it. What would the handshake, not the, the duck animal. hug, the no, duck no. hug. Let's call it the duck hug. Um, I think the Kings did stay out afterwards as well. So that, that was really nice to see too. Uh, for me, like Ryan Miller, I, I, I don't know much about him. My time as a hockey fan, he, it's Kai was kind of towards the tail end before he went to Anaheim. He was a Canuck. Right. Like he was a Canuck. And, and like, I'm just looking at his, uh, at his uh, hockey DB page, like he has been quite a a good goalie for a, a long period of of time. Like maybe this year, this is his first year below nine hundred since two thousand and three, two thousand and four. So he's been uh, quite a, a good goalie. And like, there's always the Buffalo versus Toronto. Those first few years, I got into hockey were always such weird weird matchups because they were always so good uh even though the leafs weren't that great so i'm just uh, thinking of brian mccabe over time sorry yeah. <laughs> just remember that one against buffalo but there was the fight that he fought jonathan bernier i remember yeah i, think. I love that I remember yeah. that that's that's one memory i have that was the thing with ryan miller is is um you know we talk a lot about hockey characters uh, ryan miller's one and a goalie at that which is so weird um, and, and do you know what? You always knew what he was thinking because he was just so vocal. Uh, that's the thing about Ryan Miller. It's, he's kind of like the Mike Smith, Jordan Bennington. Um, you know, I, I was watching Mike Smith. There was a clip of him. They asked him, like, hey, buddy. So you kind of may, you may have just knocked out the flames. How, like, does this feel good? He's like, yep. Straight face, <laughs> Bennington, fake punching guys. And Ryan Miller was that. He was a feisty guy. He was feisty. You know, a lot of people rip on him for 2010 because of the, like, there's that famous clip of, of, of Winnipeg chanting silver medal at him. Um, but yeah, I mean, you got to have respect for, for the longevity of the guy. And, and uh, you know what, being like, like, there are a lot of good American goaltenders now in the league with guys like Hellebuck and John Gibson. I bet going to the Olympics next, next year, Miller's going to tell uh, Gibson, like, watch out for Sid. Watch out. Again, was not there. Because yeah, he's five. starting, not Connor Hellebuck. No, he's not. No, of course not. We don't even have to mention that. It's going to be John. It should be John Gibson. You know, you know I, I feel like he has been on TV a couple times. You know who TNT should call? They should call Ryan Miller. Ryan Miller. And he should be like, yeah, the Kings suck. And all that, but seriously, um, I, I hope he stays around the game in some way, shape, or form. It sounds like he wants to stay in like a manager type role as well. But like, man, don't do the Mike Fuda thing. Have that in the background, but talk, do some media, please. It might be in California still because his wife is an actress. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah she was on Hockey Wives. Yeah, remember that? I remember they had they hired someone to take out their garbage. And I was like, why? Imagine what? being rich. I I am not kidding. Look it up. It, I, I imagine what being rich is like. It's no problems. Oh, no. We are rich. I'll think about it. Rich I'll, in friendship, guys. I was thinking the same hey. thing. I didn't get it out quick enough. I did not get it out quick enough. Uh, quick mention, congratulations to Lewis Hamilton for winning the Portuguese Grand Prix. A fantastic drive. How many more does he need to have before people realize how good he actually is? Um, though, we got the Kraken. We got Yager, the Women's Worlds, Winnipeg. Uh, where do you guys want to go next? 
Daniel, you decide. You, 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 you decide. Da, 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 um, uh, <laughs> women's world. Okay. Um, so the women's worlds, double IHF. Uh, Renee Fassell was on last night uh, on Hockey Night. Very much blamed um, Nova Scotia for what happened with the Warmans. Surprise. Love to see it. I don't know. Have a backup plan, maybe. That guy's very, that guy's very straight to the point with a lot of his statements. He's boring to listen to. Um, I think he's retiring soon, too, isn't he? I There's an opening for us. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to run the double IHF. All right. Uh, though, anyway, the Women's World, we know now, this is from headlines last night, it will be held um, from August 20th to the 31st. And Freeman was saying that Calgary are looking to host the event. Uh, you love to see that the women's game is... Um, listening to Renee Fassel, I was like, yeah, they want to play. And it was like, yeah, great. Really? doesn't feel like you care about them playing. I I figured they wanted to play. That's kind of what they do. But okay. They were literally quarantining by the time (laughs) you said, yeah, we're done here. This isn't happening. But seriously, uh, great for the women's game. And um, listen, freaking let them play. Jesus Christ. I hope they have some sort of plan here going like a backup plan to this backup plan that should have been instated in the first place. Like, do you know the the way the double IHF has handled it makes the way makes the NHL kind of look good on the way they handled the bubble. Like, yeah, yeah, I guess I I don't know. It's just I, I just think about this thing where like if it was not for the media backlash for all these people voicing their concerns of how unfair this is, like would they have made these types of statements? Because Really, they they look like they were pretty content. Like these are the tournaments that we are gonna show. Oh, this one didn't work out. We're gonna move forward. Do you want me to guess at what the answer to that question would be? Probably yes. not. Yeah. So I don't know. It's if Sarah Nurse and that were not working for Sportsnet right now. Uh, I yeah, you know that probably helped. It just at the same time too. It's just, the way I kind of felt about this was, you know. It's like knowing how to read the room Where the way women's hockey has been The way it's been promoted this year This is something that I think Would have been in their best interest To keep going with Instead of really just kind of having That passe kind of um, Approach to this Where it just Oh okay yeah Like we've, we, we hit a snag This is not going to be perfect Hey 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 hey, hey. To- I know we don't have the woman's butt to, Shane Wright, he's to, playing. That's what that was done. To blame it on the the government of Nova Scotia was the easy way out, and like that's just it's a load of baloney. Um, I don't know where that came baloney came from. Just kind of popped in my head. Bologna. Like, like how how do you not have a backup plan? Like remember the NHL? We didn't find out until like two, three weeks before, and there was like Vegas, Chicago, Toronto, Edmonton, here, there, and literally everywhere. Yeah. Right. Like, how do you just not? How do you not have that? Like Vancouver fell through, and they're like, "All right, Toronto, you're up." Like, come on, guys. Ridiculous. Is, it's just <laughs> simple business here. I don't know what's crazier to think of just how badly they they've handled this or the fact that Yarmir Yager will play next year. He's 50 years old in the Czech league. And what's really funny. Um, I was talking to Alex about this. I was looking at his DP, DB page. So I think the way he explained it to me, so his, his team clad, no are now going up to the, or have made like the division one of the Czech league. Yeah. And he's playing with the clad, no light nights 
in the two of the B League. Yeah. So he's not even playing Division One Czech League, but he's still going. So I think next year he's playing and he's going to be in the, sorry, the first division again. So he's going back. I think, yeah, I think he's so. He's a real journeyman, guys. He's making it back to the big leagues. Oh, my God. This is incredible. <laughs> I think he also owns part of this team. If yeah, I'm he owns part of the team. Yeah. So he can do whatever he wants. He's like, I'm not retiring. No, I, <laughs> I mean, listen, like, it's not like he's not, he's, he's horrible. Like, he, he put up 12 points in 19 games. Like, I don't know what, if that's good or bad for, for that team or for Cosby that Cosby need a winger. But, well, <laughs> how about Buffalo? Buffalo needs bodies, right? So. I remember that rumor he wanted to come back to Pittsburgh, but then there was like, okay, it was a weird rumor that it wasn't, it wasn't, it was true to a certain deg- degree because of the cap situation, but Apparently he wanted to come back when he first came back to the NHL. He wanted to go to Pittsburgh, and then people were like, "Oh, Crosby, Yager on the same line." And then apparently um, Ray Shiro gave the money to Tyler Kennedy to resign him, so he just had to go to the Flyers out of spite. Oh, that's so rude! Well, you gotta have respect for Yarmir Yager. Come of on, course, of course. It's it's weird, like because again, like I I got to watch him a bit when I was a kid, and. I remember, like, he was a mouthy guy. He was someone that, uh, what, what, what we, we, we'd say, like, hold, hold the, on, and, like, like, yeah. prime Yager. Prime Yager, yeah. Okay, good. Cause I was about to say, like, we all, man, he, I remember like, playing him. Yeah, yeah. And he was like one of those guys where it just, you know, those superstars that know they're a superstar. <laughs> yeah. Kind of, kind of swagger like that. And I remember, yeah. um, when he went to Europe because, like, he didn't get the deal he wanted. I thought I was like the last of Yammer Yager. And then when he came back, it just, it was weird. It was like, he was like beloved, like in a weird, weird way, like, you know, mentor figure to all the young guys. And like, he was just a bit more calm. And I'm like, oh, that is weird. Like, like how this changed. Imagine he played for another year, like 10 years. Imagine if he played, if he passed Gordy House record. Oh my God. We would have discussion on discussion about how bad it is. It just, yeah, it's crazy to me because like he left. The Rangers in his prime. Listen, the man knew what he wanted or knows what he wants. He's never gonna he's never gonna stop playing. Never. He's gonna come back somehow. In some way, shape, or form, he's coming back. Watch. It's gonna happen. He'll come back to the NHL. I I don't know, man. Doing his two hundred squats per day. Armor <laughs> Yager, a real hero. He is something else. Mm-hmm. I remember when he was captain of the Penguins. That was weird. Why did that Because uh, Lemieux retired And then um, But was this the first time? Uh, the first time And then what happened was Lemieux came back midway through the season But they already gave Yager the captaincy And then um, Afterwards Because you know how Pittsburgh was in such a weird financial situation Like they almost relocated Yeah. Um, they gave back the captaincy to Lemieux Because they realized they can't afford both of them anymore and then they traded Yager. That's because tough, because apparently like it was a silent. This is just all things I've read before through various like journalism outlets where there was just like a weird silent riff that he was taking like the C was taken away from Yager even though he was there the whole time. Was it Kovalev who got pissy because when Koivu came back they gave him the C even though he was Saku Koivu, and he had just beaten cancer and it's like oh I'm upset now, <laughs> little loser. 
Like yeah. that is that's scummy though. You shouldn't have done that to Yager. You, you know what's a good example? What? When Chris Pryor was captain of the Ducks for like half a year. <laughs> And then Scott Edermeyer's like, I'm not retiring. And he's like, all right, here's the C back. Remember, was it Carolina like, a, like two years ago that shared the seat or something yeah. like that? Oh, that's dumb. That's so dumb. It was like just, it was a rotation of like Jeff Skinner, Justin Falk, and then like, uh, I think Stahl. that was it. I think it was like split <laughs> now and then they're both gone. Oh, the, the Wild used to do that actually. Like Richard Park, Marion Gabrick, and, um, I think like Nick Schultz all had like the C for like one time at a month. The Minnesota Wild was the guys who have their fans retired number because the Wild. So guys, um, you know, the Wild, it took them a while, but they're fun to watch. They're relevant. Um, not always like that for expansion teams until Vegas came along. And now Seattle is coming. They're official, officially joined the NHL as Daniel put in the Google doc. I love this. Seattle officially released the Kraken. Yes. They made their final expansion payment a few days ago. And Alex has the question on the doc. I'm going to steal it right here. Who are the teams that they are going to take advantage of? So as Vegas did with good old Columbus, uh, Florida was a big one. Uh, Tuck from Minnesota. Um, Who are some teams that you guys can see um, Seattle messing with? And I'll start with Alex because it is his question. I, I just have this sneaky suspicion that it's going to be Vancouver, and I don't think it's going to be through the just the expansion draft. You're on, you are on the offer sheet route really hard here. I think uh, here's, I'll tell you the reason why, because I think that we all expect that the GMs are going to be smarter this time around, but we have to remember like the cap number one, that just, that just doesn't happen. And the cap also isn't going up. Mm-hmm. Right. So they're all, they all sign these contracts with the expect expectation that, Hey, the cap's going up over the next few years. And unfortunately now it is not. So I think they're going to get picks again. Like they're, this is someone's going to get screwed over. And I, I just have this feeling it's going to be Vancouver. That I could see that, like they, like Jim Benning panics, <laughs> and then he's like, "I'll give you like, I don't know, another first round pick and a prospect, not to, not to select this guy or not to offer sheet Elias Patterson." That or another thing that that Alex mentioned last night on the uh, the viewing party was with their pick, like they they're in a position they get a low cues, and it's just that that adds to that rivalry already. That'd be pretty sick. Um, Daniel, who, what, what teams are you looking at? For me, I think it's going to be Carolina. I think they're going to miss a significant piece, but I think like, it's not going to hurt them as much, but I think it's still going to hurt them based on like how their current core is because things have been good. Right. But at the same time, they still have to sign a bunch of guys and there's still that expectation of, we still have to fix our goaltending. So that's another need. And then the second thing is to like, they have a lot of like young guys who are on the cusp because I, I don't know where they're going to really fit a lot of these guys where, you know, they have the Brady Shea, but at the same time, like you're going to also have like, what do you, when you have like a Brady Shea or Jake Garner on your lineup, where are you going to put a Jake Bean? I know that they kind of fix things with the Hayden Fleury trade, but it's, it's another, it's another thing to look at where what happens if you just, again, when we mentioned the, the run out of time kind of idea that, the Hurricanes have so many moving pieces that I don't think they're going to be able to keep the band together. 
even with that, like, okay, so you deal with Flurry, but then what do you do with Yanni Hockenpah? <laughs> but, you know, it doesn't matter because, listen, they'll lose a defenseman probably, and then they'll randomly get one over the summer and they'll be fine. Exactly. Now, I, I, I put three teams just in case. Um, you sound like Daniel. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, just in case. Um, and I, I actually, it's kind of the same scenario. I have Minnesota first mm-hmm. because they've got three defensemen that already have no move clauses and none of them are Matt Dumba. And it's kind of been the worst kept secret that, you know, they don't, we don't quite know what's going with going on with Dumba. And he's just kind of sitting there right for the taking. I also said Anaheim because looking at the amount of defensemen that they have to, that they have, you don't want to lose like Fowler or Lindholm, right? You would expect that maybe there's a respect thing to protect Ryan Getzlav. Though, I mean, looking at it, there, there are some good defensemen that, that might be available in Anaheim. And then, um, I just said it just like this was just in case you guys said these two teams. I said Montreal just for the fact of they're probably losing a defenseman or probably Jake Allen. And I really don't want to lose Jake Allen because I really like him. I really like Jake Allen. Okay. Just a thought here. You don't trust Caden Primo yet? He's young. Let him develop. Uh, what else? Just a thought here about Ryan Getzlav. You think he pulls the move that, not that it's a, it was a bad thing, but that what Jason Spezza did, that like he's only staying in Anaheim and that's about it. You Just take me. I'm, you take me. I'm retiring. <laughs> yeah, that or he he goes and like signs like Ligman in Vegas because that was a thing. Uh, that's true. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if Vegas should do that. I don't know where he fits in, but it's Vegas, and they'll Somewhere. make it work. Well, it's okay. They're gonna trade a bunch of pieces for Jack Eichel, and then they can fit Ryan Getzlaff in the bottom six. Yeah, and then <laughs> right, and, so. you know what? To help send the center depth, they'll send William Carlson over to Minnesota, and they'll make a thing. And then they flip Flurry to went to um to, to Pittsburgh, and it's a whole thing. Like it, exactly. it works. Exactly. It oh, works. you could yeah, you could bring back your uh your was it four team scenario? Yes. Exactly. Yes. It's a little complicated now with Buffalo, but I'm sure we can we can figure it out. We can figure yeah, it out. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the one the one problem is William Carlson, but we can figure that out. He he wouldn't want to be there. They're trying to trade him, all that kind of stuff. The Jets have not been good. They've lost six straight games. They have scored nine goals in that stretch, allowing the Habs to now be two points behind them. Nick Ehlers is out. Adam Lowry is out. Brother of Kyle, yes. I mean, you know, to, to add, these both happened against the Leafs because they are dirty boys, of course, and very dirty boys. But what, this what, what, is just like, sh- see, this is when the criticism of Shifley can, is justified. Uh, same with Blake Wheeler. Though the question has to be asked, guys, do you think they're missing Patrick Liney right now? But um, uh, oh. I mean, I think Dubois, question. like again, what I've said before, he fits in that lineup a lot more. Than what a line A could do. Also, I think just he's a bit more well liked based on what he gives to the team. Wheeler's not a hundred percent. I don't believe. Yeah, him, but, but definitely not. Again, it's just it's it's another story I have with this core where they have they have the skill, they have the pieces there. It's just there's something about it where when one thing goes down, one person goes down, it's it's like an immediate thing where it's like oh suddenly. They're not playing the way they were before. Like they're not, they're not flying. Well, I mean, um, if you want a guy who can skate the puck, that's Nick Healers, right? And um, a big part of like their shutdown game for a team that's maybe not great defensively is Adam Lowry. And you know they they let Montreal get in. Like the Jets are a team that we know they can't defend that well. And if they can't get you know bailed out by Connor Hellebuck, 
and then they're missing a big part of the engine. And then if other guys aren't picking up the slack, it's not looking great. And again, like if they, if they can stay on this course and they play the Oilers, the Jets aren't going to make it. And, and I think this puts more sort of, and hindsight is always 2020 as we know, but does this not give more like, could you not have moved a Christian Veselainen and tried made some move for a defenseman bigger than Jordy Ben? Yeah, it, it just it felt like everyone it and and I think um, what what De, uh, Sheffield Dayov said it in the press or after the trade deadline. No, everyone they wanted, like I think they were in on both Alexiak and Ekholm, and they just didn't get moved, which was unfortunate. I wonder if. I'm just looking like you brought it up. They've scored uh, nine goals in their last six games. And like, they've been outscored like heavy. You think there's just, is it defending? Is it defenseman or is it the lack of scoring in the last few games that has really hampered them? You could argue it's a bit of both. I mean, you, you know, if you're allowing a lot of goals, like the, the thing with the Jets is like, it, it's the firepower that they rely so heavily on. And it's like, it's getting ahead. But then if you can't hold that lead, you're, and again, here's the, the big thing with the Jets is, is, and I hate, sorry to repeat myself here. It's if you don't have the strength down the middle, you're kind of boned. And oh, I, I wonder yeah. if, if Hellebuck, I'm going to get up his individual numbers over the past few games. But then you you also wonder, crap, have they played Hellebuck too much and is he going to be tired too? Yeah, I was going to say that too because the big concern I have now is in this shortened season, he's played a lot. Would you and... like to know his stats from the 22nd onwards, Daniel? Sorry. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, go ahead. So on the 22nd, that was the game against the Leafs. Three goals, six shots, gets pulled, right? Um, then the other game against the, the Leafs, three goals against again a 9-17 against the Oilers. <laughs> Gets pulled. So, oh, my God. A 7-39. But then against the Oilers again, a 9-23. Okay, he had a good game there. But then against the Habs, it's an 8-8-2. So there's been a bit of inconsistency there. That could be a thing of it. And I guess, like, the games he is showing up, they're not scoring a ton. They don't trust their backup. That, so that's that seems worry. I, I like... It feels like the obvious thing, but that is worrying for a team of Winnipeg's uh, standing that when Connor Hellebuck isn't on his game, you can't win. Like I, I, I'll use the Leafs as an example because the last four years have been like that. When Frederick Anderson isn't on his game, it you guys have trouble. Like, there's shocking similarities there, yeah. There's a lot of similarities, and I just pulled up their di- on daily faceoff. They're going with the one, two, three of Shifley stats and Pierre Luc Dubois. Like, I don't know if it's down the middle that's necessarily the like. Oh boy, yeah. Like mind. you know, you know what I mean. They they're doing the thing that I expected them to do when they traded for Pierre Luc Dubois, and it seems to. And it's only a six game stretch, but it seems to be not working at the moment, and. When they, this is the worst possible time for this to be happening. By the way, oh, yeah. we're five games away from the playoffs. If they lose third place and then they go up against the Leafs in the first round on this crap stretch, and then let's say the Leafs get the reinforcement of Nash, Hyman, and a healthy Freddie Anderson, it ain't looking good for the Jets. No, it is all. not. You don't want to look what happened to Tampa Bay. In their 62 win season, when like they like 
62 wins, but they kind of stumbled into the playoffs and got humiliated. And that was against the Blue Jackets. Yeah. And then this is the most complete Leafs team. It's really when you look at the Jets, great top six, um, you know, great goaltender. And before this season, the similarities, it's like, it's honestly, um, you, you think of it, Morgan Riley in this scenario is basically, um, why can't Morris. I think, think of Josh the name? Morrissey. It's basically Josh Morrissey. <laughs> and it, it's, it's like the, the Jets are currently like the Leafs of the last few years. And you're like, oh, well, that's a problem. Um, it doesn't look great for them. So to close out the show here, I thought we would have another look at the playoff picture right now as we go. The sure. North, the Leafs are good. The Oilers are probably locking up second place. We've got this battle with the Jets and, and, uh, and, and the Montreal right now. The Flames are not looking great. They're out of, you know, I don't want to say they're out of it because anything can change, anything can happen, but um, losing to the Oilers regulation was pretty bad. The West, Minnesota had a really good win last night. They're only two points behind Colorado, which is pretty funny. Um, the Blues are three points ahead of um, the Coyotes with three games in hand. We're pretty good there. The East Division, the Islanders, Caps, Penguins all clinched. The Bruins are eight points ahead of the Islander, no, the Rangers with two games in hand. And guys, to finish off, this is what I need to ask you guys. Lightning, Panthers, Hurricanes, we all know. Last night, Eric Howla gets the one nothing overtime game-winning goal. The Predators beat the Stars. The Stars have a game in hand, but now the Preds are ahead by three points. The Preds have four games left. The Stars have five. I'm going to give it to Nashville. Um, the Stars have been bad. I know that it was a close game last night, but they've lost, what, three in a row? Anton Hedobin yes. hasn't. Has has done what he needs to do, but again, like this is like not this is not a skeleton of the team from last year, but they are m- missing a huge chunk of their core. So I don't, I don't, I don't see them making making uh making the playoffs this year. Or I don't. This is a bit, bit of a I don't. When I think about Dallas, like for what's happened to them this year, this is a bit of a reassessment year where I just don't think that they they their momentum to try to repeat last year's success just wasn't there. Like it was already like cut off for them so early on. Do you know where I think it all went wrong for Dallas? Where? They lost the glue that was keeping everything together. Their playoff MVP. The moment they lost Corey Perry. It all went down the drain. It isn't. It isn't Sagan being out. It's not Bishop being dead. It's not any of that. It's Corey Perry. Oh, I'm surprised you didn't say Radulov. Oh yeah, and he's gone. Like, okay, let's be honest. It's because they've been hurt to hell, and their yeah. start of the season was completely messed up by COVID. But at the same time, I've never been the biggest believer in Dallas. I've always looked at them, and I'm like. What are you? I think there's a lot of similarities to the Flames, except Dallas have gotten a, like actual goaltending. I don't believe in Sagan as much as other people do. Um, Jamie Benn's kind of been like a shell of himself since he won the Art Ross. And we talked about the fact that Connor McDavid has outscored his Art Ross season in a shortened season. Right. I don't believe in them. Never have. I'm not worried about Dallas going forward next year. Like I was listening to... Uh, uh, the PDO cast. And I think he had sh- 
Philip Hovich had Sean Shapiro on and they, he was saying like, yeah, like Rupe Hintz, who is, I believe over a point per game has pretty much been a day-to-day guy the entire year. So I'm kind of scared to see what he looks like if he's at, when he actually becomes healthy. Um, but I'm going to stick with what I said last episode in uh, Nashville and saying, you know, I think their goaltending has been heating up a little bit in Nashville. Plus, I, I said last episode, they, there's a little bit of a kick in the ass for these guys because they they were almost dismantled yes. uh, heading into the trade deadline. And David Poyle, for whatever reason, said, I'm not going to dismantle you. Prove me wrong or prove me right. Um, so... It'll be interesting to see. I don't know how much damage they actually do in the playoffs, but I I think they're the team that finishes fourth. I think it's one of those scenarios where it's like, you know, the post-championship Red Wings after 2008 and 2009, like when they went to the finals, like just getting there for them. (laughs) Um, I I had Nashville making it in before the season, so I want to be right, so... I remember Daniel did not have Dallas making it. And I think Alex and I were completely shocked. Like, I don't think we actually could believe you there. It was incredible. But hey, you've been right about that, uh, St. Louis and you're right about Minnesota. He was so like St. Louis is barely inching into the playoffs. Um, and he so, was so close about that one. Good job, Daniel. I had a Good feeling. <laughs> A feeling when you were down at the Y. MCA. Come on, everybody. Now, Y. M C A A. That's it. Do the thunderclap. Are we OKC fans now? Swedish? No, I was thinking of, of Iceland. Swedish, Iceland. Swedish fans. Iceland. They're from no. Sweden. No, it uh, was Iceland who started. Who was well, doing so I didn't. Okay, so with the flash stats, I was at a World Cup of Hockey game against. It was against the States in the round yeah, robin game, yeah. and there were just randomly Swedish fans there because, of course, and they started it. Wait, oh. you were there? I was at the World Cup game against, uh, like the World Cup of Hockey. I was at the game when the round robin game against the States, and then I was at the game two when they won the thing. Oh my like, gosh, we were at the same games, and we didn't even know each really? other. Really. It's the same thing yeah. with Alex and I when we were at Neiland- no, Nylanders and uh, Kapanen's debut. I think Mike was also at that game. Oh, my gosh. I'll, I'll tell you this, Daniel, about that game. I remember just remembering how just kind of crap it was. And remembering when Dowdy took that late game penalty. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you damn idiot. And then Taves just took everyone on him and Marshan buried it. And they won- that was great. And I still remember cross. So wait, do you mean... Did you mean the American game or the, 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 the game against where they won the thing against Team Europe? Which game were you at? Oh, I was at the uh, Rod Robin one. Okay. So, anyway, so that was yeah. the one where, where Corey Perry scored like, like right after, yeah, yeah. right? That was good. I remember that. Okay. Never mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Corey I remember Perry. that oh. team. Justin Albicator was on the US team, I remember. That, yeah. That, just, uh, that, was they, when, that was when Phil Kessel was like, yeah, I should be doing something. Yeah, Phil Kessel and, and scoring Bobby Ryan were both off the team. God, and then Tortorella was like, "Yeah, this is how we're gonna beat Canada." And I don't think they—I don't think they made it out the round robin, no. did they? God, that was a bad team. That was not great. And that was North America, and it was like Druin and Matthews and McDavid and Ryan Murray, <laughs> Goudreau, and um, geez, that was a that was a weird year. Yeah. Anyway. 
I think that's it. Thank you, The Voice Ad, as always, for being a great platform for the show. Check out the shoe, the shoe. Check out the show's YouTube channel, the TikTok. We're on like all the social media except LinkedIn because why would we? Um, get a fancy picture of the three of us in a suit, looking great. Um, what next? All, all our own shenanigans, our social media stuff, my YouTube channel, Alex's blog, Daniel Sufferity, hockey writers, and the eye opener. Um, check out um, what else? TikTok again. We like that. Check out all the Spotify. That's pretty cool. Check out the Apple Podcast app because they changed from iTunes because they suck. Kind of like the person that gave the star a two-show review. It's show a two-star review. Yeah. That's it. We will speak to you later. And remember, everyone, that Cole Caulfield is a Montreal Canadian. <laughs>